Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 10. going to start there and read about the Good Shepherd. So Easter is in our rearview mirror, Easter 2018. And I have to say, I'm just a tiny bit disappointed because I only get to preach once today. You know, but that's kind of a bummer. But that's the only bummer uh, that that came out of Easter. We had great services together and... um, you know, it's exciting. But, you know, today the tomb is still empty. Uh, our Savior is still alive. And so we're going to draw near to him as the shepherd today. Um, you know, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15 what we were preaching on last week that you know, we should be pitied among everyone in the world if we've believed a myth. Uh, but since we know the resurrection is true... We shouldn't be the most pitied of everyone in the world, but we should be the most envied of everyone in the world. Because our God is the living God. And he doesn't shepherd us from far away, but up close and personal in our lives. And so that's a reason to rejoice. Bob hunts deer out in the hills of northern California. And uh, farmers and ranchers out there will allow hunters to come onto their land if they come and ask permission. And so Bob was wanting to go into this certain field, and he uh, went and talked to the rancher that owned this property. So the, the rancher kind of looked at Bob when he asked if he could go hunting, and, and he, he kind of looked at him a little bit. and Yeah, I, I think it'd be all right if you come on and, and do some hunting, but, but I better go with you. I need to show you some things. Bob could have thought, oh, come on. You know, I, I know how to drive. I, I know how to hunt. I, I'm a big boy. I, I don't need a chaperone. But, but he didn't think that. Instead, he kind of thought, well, it may be good to have some company along on this hunting trip. So the two of them, they got in the truck cab together and they started off on to the property. They'd been skimming across this really wide, seamless field when suddenly the rancher says, you better start slowing down. Have you seen a deer? So he took his foot off the accelerator, but why? And so then the rancher says, okay, stop here. Let's get out and start walking. I need to show you something. And he's still, he's looking. All he can see is this wide open pasture and this, you know, no creeks, no valleys, no fences. So he's really confused. So they get out and they start walking and then the rancher puts his hand on Bob's shoulder and he says, okay, 
look up ahead. And just a few feet in front of them was this gaping crack in the earth, 30 feet wide where they were standing. And when they got up to the edge of it, they could just feel the cold air coming up like it's exhaling from this bottomless pit. And Bob had these kind of shivers go up and down his back. So they turned around, started walking back to the truck, and Bob was thinking, I don't know what would happen to me if that rancher hadn't been in my truck. Now, peeps, it's okay if I call you that. <laughs> the tomb is empty. And so what that means is every single day we have an opportunity to live our life with Jesus in the cab of our truck as we drive through the terrain of life. Every single day. But the thing is, we don't want to drive. We want to get over in the passenger seat and let him drive because he's the one that knows the terrain. He's the one that knows the dangers and the difficulties that we're going to face. And so today we're going to start in John 10 here and read about the shepherd And see if we can't draw near to him. See if we can't invite him into the cab of our truck as we're driving through life. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this treasure of your word, the the incredible truth that you are our shepherd and we are your sheep and we can hear those voices we can hear comfort and encouragement in those words that you shared so long ago and here we get to read them again we know that they're good for our life with you pray that they would bear fruit in us today and i ask you lord that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing in your sight lord my rock and my redeemer in jesus name we pray Amen. So, if we're going to let Jesus into the cab of our truck and give him the wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. It's been going through my mind, that song, you know. Uh, you know, that's how, isn't that how we want to live every day? 
with him driving for us, with him, you know, kind of taking that over. And if we're going to do that, we've got to continue to grow in our confidence in the, in the shepherd. Grow in, in, in our confidence in the shepherd. Who he is, what he does, and who he knows. Now, there's a couple of passages that we look at uh, when we want to get to know the good shepherd and why he is called good. And you could probably guess the first one. Psalm 23. Probably could recite that, but let me read it for you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leaves me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So Psalm 23 begins with a very important acknowledgement, and that is, who is who? Jesus is the shepherd, and we are one of the sheep. And that's important information to keep in your heart. You know, as we try to do life with him. If we believe in Jesus, we belong to Jesus. He owns us. He's paid for us with his blood and his death on the cross. He purchased us then. So we are his sheep. He is our shepherd. And then this psalm goes on to describe what kind of shepherd he is. He is our provider, taking care of our needs. I shall not be in want. He's our provider. He makes sure we rest, leads me beside still waters. He is our leader, guiding us to good places. He is our restorer, the one who refreshes our souls, who gives us refreshment, who helps us after hard days and after difficult travel. He is our forgiver, leads us in paths of righteousness, not only for our good, but for his name's sake, for his glory. He leads us. He picks us up when we fall. He helps us get back on the right path when we get off. He is our comforter. Through his presence and through his touch, we experience his care. and We experience his peace. He is our defense. When people are against us, when accusations are flying, he is our, he is our advocate. He is our healer. He is our joy. This is who Jesus is. He is all of these things. And that's why the good shepherd is called good. He's an amazing shepherd. Now in Ezekiel 34, verses 1 to 4, it's another place we can look to grow in our confidence of the good shepherd. Um, These verses are really a God's complaint against the shepherds of Israel. Uh, the spiritual leaders that were entrusted to take care of the sheep. And our confidence in Jesus is that where these shepherds failed to do the will of God, he succeeded in every way. So let me read those, those verses. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. 
The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled over them. And so what those shepherds failed to do in fulfilling God's expectations of what shepherds do, Jesus would have fulfilled them completely. So they didn't feed the sheep. They did not care for the sick. They did not strengthen the sheep. They did not take care of the injured ones. They didn't go looking for those that wandered off. They just took care of themselves. They ruled over those sheep with harshness, with force. But Jesus, exact opposite. He rules over us. Never harshly, never hard, never with force. He feeds us his word. He strengthens us with his presence. He heals us emotionally and spiritually and physically. Um, He goes on search and rescue operations when we wander off and get lost. He is gentle over us. So Psalm 23, Ezekiel 34, both of those give us this really good portrait of the good shepherd, why he is good, who he is, what he does. And just kind of reading those and soaking your heart in those helps you grow in your confidence in drawing near to him, in in knowing him. Back in John 10, uh, it gives us some information, a a little bit of information about the good shepherd that this makes a huge difference. In all of this. Verse 3. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own, his own sheep by name and leads them out. And in verse 14, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Jesus knows your name. He knows your name. You're not just a number to him. You're not just one of the multitude of sheep in his pen. He knows you personally. The good shepherd knows his sheep. Have you ever seen a flock of sheep? I don't think I ever have. You know, when all the guys have pictures. Probably at the state fair is the place where I've seen the most sheep together in one place. And they're always separated in pens, you know. And I can tell the difference between one breed and another. I couldn't tell you what the breeds are. But I can tell you, you know, this sheep's a different breed than that breed. I can tell you this is an adult sheep, this is a lamb. But you know, you put all those sheep in the same pen, they'd all look alike to me. Every one of them. Not so with our good shepherd. Not so. He knows your name. He has personal knowledge of your life. He cares about your heartaches. He's aware of what is keeping you up at night. He knows those things. He knows the condition of your physical body, the aches and the pains, the disease, the weariness. He knows the burdens of your heart, the tears that you cry, the sigh that you let out. He knows these things. The people you pray for, your hopes, your dreams. He knows these things. He knows how hard school is. He knows what your future holds. He knows all of these things. You're not just a number. He knows your name. In fact, all the hair on your head, he knows how many are there. 
He knows. How is your confidence in the good shepherd? How is your confidence? Do you trust him for life? Not just life after the grave, but this life right now. In fact, if if you think about this, a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being I'm doing all the driving in my life, and 10 being Jesus is doing all the driving, where would your confidence in the good shepherd put you on that scale? You think about that? How do you move up the scale? Well, you silk your heart in these verses, in these passages, to know who he is and what he does, what he knows. And then you draw near to him, let him take the wheel, and you watch what happens. And I promise you that you will be so glad when you look in the rearview mirror of life that he was driving and you weren't. That you had him at the wheel. Grow in your confidence in the shepherd. Jesus then gives another piece of information in John chapter 10 that helps us draw near to him. And that's listening consistently to the shepherd. Now in Palestine today, um, you can see something that Jesus almost certainly saw 2,000 years ago. And that is this Bedouin shepherds at the end of a long day of grazing their sheep out in the pasture. They, they bring them back home into a place where they can get water. And so eight or nine different flocks of sheep show up at the same watering hole and it becomes this convention of sheep and all the shepherds there talking shepherd talk. But they aren't really too worried about, you know, the sheep getting mixed up together because when it's time to go, each shepherd has their own special call to their sheep. So they have a special trill or they got a special instrument that they play a tune on. And when they do that, the sheep that are that belong to that shepherd follow that call, and then they just kind of go on their separate ways. The other sheep don't have any, they don't pay attention to that call. It's just the ones that know their shepherd's call. In John ten twenty seven it says, "My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me." It is a powerful, exciting, comforting, convicting experience. To hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. Now, do not expect an audible voice like we imagine Moses got at the burning bush, you know. Uh, God, who are you? What's your name? I am, you know. Uh, We kind of see God speaking there. And there's that in other places in the Bible as well. Um, But we're not looking for the audible voice, but we, we do have to pay attention to the Bible telling us over and over and over again that God speaks to his children. The good shepherd speaks to his sheep. Listen to just these uh, few verses. Jeremiah 33, 3. Call to me and I will answer you. I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And Isaiah 30, verse 21 says... And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. In Romans 10, 17. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the Bible tells us that God speaks to his children and we can listen. We can hear his voice. Now he speaks to us in a variety of different ways uh, through several different avenues. But the primary one is through the Bible. 
His written word. He's given us his voice there. If you want to hear God speak consistently in your life, read your Bible a lot. A lot. In fact, that should be the number one reason that you go back to this book. The same stories, the same words, you go back again and again, not because you're trying to learn something, not because you're even trying to change, but because you want to be in communication with your Heavenly Father. He speaks to us through His Word. It's a spiritual book. And I promise you, if you get into your Bible thinking, God, speak to me, He will. And you'll hear Him. John 8, 47 says, Whoever is of God hears the words of God. He will speak to you. Now, this is really hard. It's a lot harder than it might seem because we live in a world where people don't read books anymore. Uh, not very many people are readers. Uh, they, they even are, you know, reading on their phone, and I concede that, you know, whatever. Get in the Word. But I like to underline. I like to, you know, when God speaks to me, I want to highlight. I want to write something and say, this is what He spoke. But this is really, really hard. Our, our heads are noisy. Our world is, you know, just information coming at us at the speed of light. I mean, it's just amazing how much noise there is in our heads. So um, slowing down is really hard. And that's what you need to do. Because the, the, one, the one spiritual discipline that will help you hear the voice of God, you, you want to know what it is? Bible meditation. Meditate on the Word of God. Now, meditation can be a very misunderstood word in the church because it conjures up this thought of Eastern religions, you know, and that's kind of where the the practice, um, you know, they practice meditation a lot in Buddhism, Hinduism. Um, um, even if you go to yoga classes, they 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 can have you doing meditation. But there's a big difference between uh, meditation outside the Christian faith and meditation that we want to practice inside. Outside, all it is is about emptying your mind and detaching yourself from the world. Don't do that. You empty your mind, who knows what's going to get in there. Bible meditation is all about filling your mind with the Word of God. It's about being able to go out into the world, not detach from it. God out there. As Richard Foster describes, Bible meditation is a, an, creating an emotional and spiritual space for Jesus to build an inner sanctuary in your heart. So when you're studying God's word, you're trying to understand it. You know, what does it mean? And you should study God's word. When you're meditating on scripture, you're trying to internalize it. You're trying to personalize it. And so if you look at the way Psalm 23 begins, you know, it's the Lord is my shepherd. We know that as David writing that psalm. David's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. We get that from studying the Bible. But in Bible meditation, that word becomes addressed personally to you. And you say, the Lord is my shepherd. And so David's declaration becomes your declaration. So how do we go about this? How do we go about doing Bible meditation? Well, you got to slow down. You got to slow down in your reading. I mean, this is not, you know, read the Bible in a year kind of thing. 
Um, this is, let's take a passage of scripture and let's read it slow and listen to it. Let's read it again and listen to it again. Let's hear what God is saying. And as we do that, what we want to do is begin asking ourselves questions to try to personalize it and interact with the text. When we read it, what did I hear? What should I be highlighting? What does it mean for me? Is there something I need to do because I'm hearing this? Is there something I need to confess? Is there a sin I need to avoid? Is there a promise I need to claim? So we personalize the word. It becomes a letter to us. And it's those kinds of personal reflection questions that will help us hear the voice of God through his word. Now, God also speaks through his Holy Spirit to us. And, you know, in all ways that God is communicating to us, the Spirit is involved And that's for sure. I don't know all the mysterious mysteries of all of that. Um, But what I'm thinking of here is like when we go out into the world and the spirit helps us see something or helps us see someone and just kind of gives us a little nudge and says, get involved. And he gives us an invitation to go pray for someone or to go serve somebody or to give to somebody. You, you know what I'm talking about? That little nudge that the Holy Spirit gives you? That's God speaking to you. Helping you do things he wants done in the world. Here's an example. Pastor Lee Eklov, he shared this story about a woman in his church named Dill Rummel. She had this colleague who was in the hospital for 10 weeks. She had broken her back in two places, and despite what the doctors were doing to take care of her, she wasn't healing. And Dill, she knew that God wanted her to go visit Colleen in the hospital. And she, in fact, felt the Spirit nudging her to not just go visit her, but actually lay hands on her and pray for her that God would heal her. Something she was pretty uncomfortable doing at the time. So she eventually got around to following what God wanted her to do. She went and saw Colleen in the hospital, and they had you know, some time there. They were talking. They were talking about work things. They were talking about people that they knew. And eventually, Dill got the courage up, and she said, Would you like me to pray for you? Lay hands on you and pray for you. And Colleen agreed. And Dill said as she did that, she, she didn't feel any warm, tingly feeling kind of going through her in, into Colleen, but she just knew that she was doing what God wanted her to do, which is always a good feeling. About three weeks later, Colleen shows up on the front porch of Dill's house, and she explained to her that the day after that Dill came and visited her in the hospital, doctors took her in for new x-rays, and where the two breaks were, they were completely healed, and she was released from the hospital. That led Colleen to Dill's Bible study, One day they were talking about that picture of Jesus standing at the door, knocking. And Dill was explaining to to Colleen how on on that door, there's no doorknob on the outside of the door. All Jesus can do is knock. But someone has to open the door from the inside. And as as a picture of us opening our heart to Christ, we have to open the door to Him and He will, will come in. And in that conversation, the Holy Spirit nudged Colleen to pray this prayer. Lord, I guess you're out there. If you want to come in, I want you to come in. And she was born again. 
I tell you, make no mistake. Our God is a living God. That tomb is empty. Our good shepherd speaks to his sheep. His voice will come through the Bible. His voice will come through the Holy Spirit. He he, he might speak to you through prayer. He might speak to you through preaching. He might speak to you through another believer. He might even speak to you through creation. Not the ears, but the place of listening will be in the mind as we slow down and we listen to his voice. And the more often we listen to his voice and follow what he says, the deeper experience we have of drawing near to the shepherd. So this is going to kind of bring our series of messages on drawing near to Jesus at Easter uh, to a close. And I thought, you know, what we want to do to close this series is to do what we've been preaching, to practice what we preach and draw near to the shepherd in prayer. Now, when we're drawn near, sometimes that means we're going to just sit and we're going to soak in his presence. We're going to enjoy the refreshment and, and restoration that he brings that comes from just being with Jesus. And that's how we're going to close the service today. But there's also going to be times when we're out there and we sense his presence very near and we follow him in the world and we do what he wants us to do. And that's what we're going to do after we dismiss. Because, you know, just because our physical location changes doesn't mean our heart location needs to change. Um, We can sense him near here, but we can stay near out there. We just have to remember he's with us and remember his promises and listen to what he wants us to do. So we're going to use Psalm 23 as a Bible meditation to close the service today. And we're going to start by reading it all together. Lindsay, would you come on up? Um, We'll start by reading it all together. and And when we read it all together, listen to the words. Listen for God to highlight something for you. You know, a word or a phrase. And just grab onto that. And then we'll go into prayer and I'll read it again. And that time through, it'll be, what What does this mean for me? Why am I hearing this? And then one more time through, Psalm 23. And it'll be, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? Is there something I can respond to here? And so let's draw near to the shepherd. This, this might be kind of hard because I know, you know, lunch is waiting. We're getting ready to go out. I think we can do it. We, we can do it. All right, so let's, let's read Psalm 23 all together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Just think about a word or a phrase in Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. 
I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So what's the why there? Why is this word or phrase highlighted for me? What does it mean for me today? down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Is there an invitation there? Something the Lord speaks to you to follow. Jesus, you are the shepherd and I am one of your sheep. You are my provider, meeting needs, leading me to rest. You are my leader, 
guiding me to good places and away from danger. You are my restorer, refreshing my soul in your presence. You are forgiver, picking me up when I fall, helping me find my way back, showing me paths of righteousness. You are my shield and protector when I am in the dark, when death feels overpowering or near. You surround me. You are my comforter. Through your presence and through your touch, I experience your care and your peace. You are my defense, my advocate, a friend who sticks closer than a brother and sticks up for me. You are my healer. Thank you for grace to recover from wounds, body, mind, and soul. You are my joy. In your presence, that joy overflows. And you are my very great reward. Heavenly Father, it is a good place that we are in right now, a place of peace, a place of comfort. And we long for the days when there will be no difference between this place of soaking in your presence and the place of living our lives. The two shall become one in your kingdom. As we have drawn near to the shepherd this morning, we thank you for speaking to us. Let our hearts stay near as we go. Help us to trust your voice. Help us to follow. We thank you for being our great king who came as a servant. The lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and our own sins. And the one who brings us victory over the death in our lives. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today. Help us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Shepherd, take the wheel as we head out today. In Jesus' name we pray. Now all God's people said.